you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, I'm really looking forward to today's topic on building that remote marketing team. Now, Hernan's joining me today, but I don't know about you, Hernan, but you know, when you're that very small business owner, the thought of marketing is like this huge beast that's behind you, constantly poking you in the back. So I think today we're going to have a wonderful conversation about how we can tame that marketing monster a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here, Kim. Thank you for having me. So Hernan Vasquez is an entrepreneur and digital marketing expert with over 13 years of experience in creating advertising and marketing campaigns that focus on bringing clients and students more clients, leads, and profit. Now, over the last seven years, he's been responsible for more than 60 million, that's an M, million, in profitable social media ad spend and generated over 200 million in revenue for his clients, helping brands like Grant Cardone, Russell Brunson, Tony Robbins, Frank Kern, Agora Publishing, Dan Henry, Patrick Bet David, Paul Getter, and many others. And I recognize most of those names on the list and have read most of their books. He's the founder of Scale Driven, an award-winning digital marketing agency focused on helping companies increase revenue by developing better digital marketing and advertising initiatives. He has team members throughout the United States, South America, and Europe, and his company works with clients worldwide. Welcome to the show, Hernan. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. You're missing one very important country, though. What, which is? <laughs> Canada. <laughs> Canada. I love Canadians. We work with Canada, uh, with Canadians and people from Canada all the time. So I love them. <laughs> I just said that because, like, I'm a very proud Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, as you should be. I mean, you guys are awesome. And, and we work with you, with you guys all the time. So, so, yeah, it's great. So, Hernan, why don't you take a few minutes and uh, share with us some of your business stories? So, you know, how did you come to be able to do all of these things? So that's actually a great question. I started, I've been in digital marketing for 12, 13, 14 years now. And uh, I've, been, I've done a little bit of everything. I remember that I, I started the first time somebody gave me money over the internet. I started back in Fiverr.com. So Fiverr.com yep. was the, you know, it's not the Fiverr.com that you can find out about today or if you visit Fiverr.com. Right now they're, you know, they're doing advertising on TV and all of that. Fiverr.com back in the day, you were, you know, it was a rough bunch. You were there to get something scrappy done for $5 with, you know, a bunch of scrappy people. And I was there, right? I remember. And, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was great. And everything was for $5. And I remember that I started running, uh, writing articles for people. This was like 12, 13 years ago. I left my day job. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do this entrepreneurial thing. And uh, I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't like, 
you know, after the pandemic, everyone realized that remote work was a big deal or it could be a big deal. But, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it wasn't the case. In fact, everyone was like, hey, yeah, you need to go out there, get a job, you know, go to the office and all that. And I was there working at my parents' uh, garage, from my parents' garage, you know, and I was writing articles for $4 a pop. And then my mom was calling me in the middle of the day. Hey, can you go do this for me? And I'm like, no, mom, I'm working, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> Anyways, that's yeah, that's how I started. I remember, again, the first time somebody gave me money over the internet, a complete stranger was $4, you know, for an article. And that made me a believer. It was like, wow, that made it all real. And then, uh, you know, and then, you know, I started writing articles in I'm originally from Argentina, from Buenos Aires, a third world country. And, you know, I was writing articles in English and Spanish. And a lot of people will reach out to me outside of Fiverr and say, well, what else can you do for me? You know, what else can you do? Can you can we hire you as a VA and whatnot? Can you do a WordPress website for us? And I'm like, of course, you know, and then I'll turn around and start trying to figure it out. And then, you know, people will. Because that's what work. entrepreneurs write, do, right? Exactly, you take it exactly, on and yeah. then you figure it out as you go. Exactly, exactly. So I went ahead and do that. And then, uh, and then, you know, people started asking me, well, you know, I have my website, I have your articles, those are great. Can you rank them on Google? Can you do some SEO for us? And I'm like, of course, you know? So, um, so I started doing a lot of, a lot of uh, good stuff like that. And then I remember that doing SEO for some clients, because of course, you know, you read a couple books, you read a couple blog posts and you start doing and you become an expert in two weeks, right? So I became an expert, <laughs> an SEO expert in two weeks. So I went ahead and uh, I started, um, you know, providing SEO services to other clients and whatnot, mostly locally in Argentina and Buenos Aires and whatnot. And then uh, I met this group of, of, of guys and we started like, riffing about, you know, different things about being an agency, quote unquote, owner or an entrepreneur, having SEO clients and whatnot. And then, you know, we started like putting our knowledge, everything that we were learning about into digital products. And that's how, you know, we launched our first couple of digital products after everything we learned about doing SEO for, you know, for local clients and whatnot. That went ahead and, and was my first like attempt at launching, uh, launching a digital product. And that was my first digital company, you know, with digital partners over the internet and whatnot. And then once we had these products, then we needed traffic. We needed, you know, eyeballs on these products. And then I, I started running Facebook ads, you know, I started diving into Facebook ads and whatnot. And I became an expert in two weeks as well, you know, with Facebook ads and whatnot. But so that, that was, that was when of, you could actually really get good results from Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for, for information, information and whatnot, information courses. And that's how I started, you know, doing Facebook ads. And from there on out, kind of, I, I never went back and went into paid advertising. And then I ended up working with some of these big names just by being helpful, putting my content out there, putting my, uh, you know, everything that I was learning, I was documenting a lot and people will reach out to me. And one of those people turned out to be one of my heroes, which was Frank Kern, one of his team members reach out to me and say, Hey, do you want to come work with us uh, as part of the team and whatnot? And then I was Frank Kern's CMO for three and a half years and then worked with Tony, uh, with, with Grant Cardone and then Tony Robbins and a couple of others. But it was always about, you know, going out there, learning, saying yes, figuring things out later and then documenting the, the journey, you know, putting out mm -hmm. content out there. I wasn't trying to teach anyone. I was trying to mostly document here. Here's what I found. Here's mm -hmm. what I, you know, figured out. And that has always brought me some some really good results. So in a nutshell, 30,000 foot overview, that's how I got here. One of the things I love, Hernan, is, is your just, let's just do it spirit, right? Like, don't overthink it too much. You say yes. Now, the one thing I was wondering, because 
there's always the opposite side to the say yes. Were were there times when you said yes and you realized you couldn't do it? Yes. And I think I, I think that there were some times that I said yes and then I realized that I shouldn't have, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. it, probably it wasn't it, it wasn't because we couldn't do it or we couldn't fulfill it or we couldn't, you know, come through, but mostly because the question was number one, was this realigned with with the goals and the vision that we have for the company and for myself? Number one, but also number two, do we really want to be working with these folks or those folks or these type of clients, those type of clients, right? Initially, when I was starting out, I would say yes to anything, right? Yeah. And to everything because you come out from this mentality of A, learning, but B, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a salary, so I needed the money. And well, then, you know, uh, food is important, right? Yeah. Like that's a good motivator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course it is. And then, uh, but then you realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be, you know, you get burned with a couple of needy clients or clients yeah. that, you know, they, they're not the type of client that you want to work with. And then you learn the importance of saying no to, to, to something, especially you start trusting more in your gut when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, when it comes to having conversations and reading those red flags and whatnot. And, you know, I'm blessed and lucky enough that right now we're in a position where we can say no to a lot of business because either we cannot help them or we cannot, you know, we cannot like really win for them and we can, but, but initially, yeah, you, you need to say yes to everything. So, well, I think that's just part of the process and it, it's okay, but you just don't stay there. Yeah. As long as you don't stay there, as long as you don't stay there. I think that's a good point, especially when you're making a decision, saying yes to a project or to a client or to a, a job or whatever out of scarcity, right? Or out of fear, right? What happens if, if I don't, if I don't get this paycheck or, or something like that, that's where you start making mistakes, right? So as long as you don't stay there, you start there, but then you progress and then you start say, saying no becomes at some point more important than saying yes. So. Yeah, I remember the first time I said no to somebody that I couldn't write and publish their book. Like it was it was like a foreign language to my lips, right? But I knew that I knew that I knew within me that if I took this client on, I was going to regret it. And it didn't matter how much this person paid me, it was going to be a rough long haul. And to be honest, I didn't have the energy for that. And so I just, well, what I did is before I said no to him, I, I gave myself some time to think through about how I was going to say no to him because this person was a lawyer. So I had to be really careful. You be careful. <laughs> Yeah, you need to study your no. But, you know, I, I was able to explain to him in a way he understood. Now, he didn't like it, but he did understand it. And so, you know, everything came out okay. But morally, I couldn't work with this person. You know, the things that this person stood for was against the very core of my being. And I'm like, yeah, no amount of money is worth that. Like, uh, I'm not willing to sell my soul for for money. And I knew he, I already knew he was going to be difficult to work with because even just the process of trying to get him, you know, going through the process of the interviews and that, you know, mm -hmm. he was already pulling guilt trips and that, like I was a couple hours late sending him something and he was like pulling guilt trips. I'm like, Oh, do I want to work with this person? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, kudos to you to realizing that. And generally when you're starting to, especially, you know, people like us that we provide services, you know, other people, it's like, you're going to be in business with this person for a while, right? Even, yeah. you know, in your case, you're writing a book, you're publishing a book. That's a long process or a relatively long process. You know, it's not just a couple of days. It's, no. you know, weeks or months and you're going to be working with this person and whatnot. In our case, we provide digital marketing service. So it's like, 
ongoing thing. Some, some clients stay with us for years. So it's like, you know, do you really want to go ahead and, uh, and, and serve and service these, these client, this business and whatnot. So I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was completely off topic, but really good conversation there. And I, I, and hopefully if you're listening to this, you know, learn from it. Yeah. You may have to take on some clients that you don't like in the beginning, but you know, here's a really great way to get rid of those clients, raise your prices. Oh yeah. And, and sure. don't offer discounts. Yeah. No, that makes that, that's also an, an uncomfortable, you know, an uncomfortable leap. And we talked to, we talked to clients at this amount and we had to go through these exercise ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, every couple of months, you know, we're going to bump it up and we're going to, we're going to go out there and, 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 mm -hmm. and charge more and whatnot. And that's generally uncomfortable. I think for a, any entrepreneur out there, right. It's generally uncomfortable, but, but, but if you think about it, like generally speaking, people that pay the most are the ones that complain the least, you know, like that's, yeah. that's usually the case. Like I see that all the time when it comes to our clients, when they're trying to, you know, nickel and diamonds and whatnot. And there's some other clients that they're like, you know, they understand the value that you're providing and they're willing to pay to get a problem solved and whatnot. And you usually, you know, those are the easiest to, to work with. So raising your prices tend to tend to really have a good, uh, a good effect on your mental health, not only your mental health on your bank account, but you know, they tend to be better clients overall. So, yeah. Well, let's make the switch here. Cause I know Hernan, you've come today, just really prepared to share some gold nuggets with us on about how to build a remote marketing team. So I guess before I let you loose, the first question is, you know, well, I guess it's two questions. Who should consider building a remote marketing team and why should they consider building one? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So again, I, you know, when it, when it comes to working remotely, I've been doing it for almost a decade and a half, right. And a bit mm -hmm. before the pandemic and whatnot. So, you know, people thought I was crazy and you know, again, my mom would call me in the middle of the day. Hey, can you do this and run this errand for me? And I'm like, no, I'm working. So, you know, I've experienced the power of working remotely since the very beginning. I think that, you know, when we talk about remote teams or hiring or, or, or building a remote team or even hiring an agency, it seems like a daunting task. It seems like, oh, wow, I need to hire people and hire a bunch of people and whatnot. But, you know, building a remote team or a remote marketing team can start where you're at. And I think that to answer your question, I think that you need to sit down and, and audit your day, right? When we are entrepreneurs, when we are business owners, we're wearing many, many, many di different hats, right? And this yes. is an ongoing exercise that I try to do every single, you know, every quarter or every mm -hmm. couple of months, I, I, I tend to sit down and kind of audit my time. What, what mm -hmm. am I dedicating my time to? And the more people you have in your team and the more, you know, kind of successful you become, this become more, more and more critical, right? Because the stuff that you should be doing, the amount of money that you get paid per hour, right, goes up. Something that you need to consider is if you're getting paid, let's say $50 an hour, right? Or $20 an hour to do the thing. If you are doing something that somebody else could do for, let's say, $7 an hour or $10 an hour, it's not that you're saving those 10 dollars an hour, seven dollars an hour is that you're actually losing. You're losing yeah. that money and you're losing that time. Like you're wasting ten dollars an hour to do something because you're getting paid double than that or triple than that to do something that somebody else could do on Fiverr or Upwork or whatever for five dollars an hour. So I think that, uh, you know, uh, first doing that exercise is really helpful. It really helped me. And also like understanding how to work with somebody else. So if you mm -hmm. haven't, if you haven't hired anyone in the past, usually when it comes to hiring your first VA or hiring your first, you know, 
uh, collaborator, it could be part-time and whatnot. It's like having training wheels because now what needs to happen is that you need to put out of, you know, out of your head and into the paper or into a Google doc or in a loom video or, you know, on a zoom call or something so that other person can actually start doing the thing that you're doing. So it doesn't have to be a huge, a huge leap. It's that you need, and then you make the switch from operator, from doing the things to actually showing and teaching and managing, and then, you know, revising and doing QA for other person. And the more you do this, the more you realize that your role as an entrepreneur, it stops being the day-to-day -day fulfillment or the day-to-day, -day, you know, operations, but rather it's all about managing a team and it's all about, you know, kind of offloading your brain into the paper or again into a Loom video. So I think that you can start whenever you start making your first couple hundred or even a couple thousand dollars a month with whatever it is that you're doing. At that point, it's a good time to actually start training yourself into mm -hmm. delegating to other people, right? I think that I think that that's that's the first step. Uh, because you need to realize that first, you need to become a teacher. And second, you need to at, at some point relinquish some control as to how things are done so that you can get those things done. And, you know, from from another yeah. perspective and somebody, get somebody else doing those things. So that's where I would start, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But um, I'm just wondering, like, when does a company know they're ready for marketing? Because sometimes it's hard to know like when you're building a business like when is when should someone consider adding marketing to their business like obviously as an entrepreneur you are kind of marketing and selling but you know when when is a good time to make sort of that official move to to start a marketing team yeah that's that's a great question so when it comes to a marketing team itself you have two options right you have the option of a going out there and hiring a marketing hiring a marketing agency right? Or B, trying to build a marketing team yourself. Usually the, the logical progression of many successful entrepreneurs and people that I've, that I've known is that first off, they go out there and hire an agency before building an internal team. They both have their pros and their cons, right? Like mm -hmm. hiring an agency have, has the pros that they already have a lot of processes. They come with a team that, you know, they, they, they're usually cheaper than trying to, you know, build an internal team, depending on how much you're paying. And so things are faster, but again, they have their own processes. So that means that you have less control, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to find the right partner because like, unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, advertising and marketing agencies out there that are, that are not good at what they do, right? So that's, let, let, let's face it, as, as there's a lot of service providers that they're not good, you need to find the right partner. And that might mean going through different marketing and advertising agencies before you find the right one, the right fit. Now, hiring a marketing team internally means that first you need to, you know, interview a bunch of people. You need to know exactly what you're looking for. Usually people start with a marketing person right? You bring a marketing dude or dudette, right? And they'll do everything and anything for you. But usually the, the logical progression is you'll hire a marketing agency and then you will progress and you scale your business until you realize that, you know, it makes more sense to start bringing some of the efforts in-house. That has been kind of the progression of all of the clients that I've been with. And when a client is telling us, well, we're scaling so much that now we need to build an internal team, for us, it's a big win and we help them do that as well. But there's a couple of things that kind of decide whether you're ready or not to hire a digital marketing agency. The first one is, are you generating revenue, meaning sales, leads, calls, money on the bank on your, on your own, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, because if you're not yet, 
then that means that a marketing agency or an advertising agency or even running ads, something like that, I always say that those things will amplify what's already there, right? Yeah. So they will only amplify what's already there. So that means that if you're lacking sales right now, if you're lacking leads, if you're, if you're not getting sales on your own, then you might have an offer problem. So hiring a marketing agency or building a marketing team will not solve that problem. What will solve that problem is tweaking your offer and keep on putting yourself out there and offering that to more and more people, having more conversations, right? Because what's going to happen is that if your offer is not good, then we can run a lot of traffic. You will get a lot of people in your funnel, but you will not make any sales. You will not get any revenue. So the first thing that you need to have is an offer that people are giving you money for or a product or a service that people are giving you money for right now. Okay, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing that I always tell people before hiring a marketing agency or even an advertising agency is you want to get as close as possible to knowing your numbers and knowing your numbers mean, okay, how much, especially when you're advertising, which is something that we do, how much you want to pay to acquire a customer, how much you want to pay to acquire a lead, how much you want to pay to get a sale. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't know this, right? When, when they come to talk to us and they say, well, I don't know. That means that the first couple of months of us running ads and us running their marketing, it's going to be what we call a detective campaign because we need to figure out all of those numbers for you. So that will only set you, you know, set you back a couple months and you will be spending money on advertising and on marketing before you actually get a return. So you need to get as close as possible to knowing your numbers. Ideally, you would have maybe run some ads on your own, right? Or at least known how that, how that looks, right? And knowing your numbers. So I think that with a strong offer and with numbers, then you can go out there and find somebody to help you with your marketing because now you know, okay, how much am I willing to invest to acquire a customer? How much am I willing to, to pay? What's the return that I expect from my investment? And it, it makes things so much easier for both parties because now we know exactly what we're looking for and now we know exactly if we're winning or not. You're so correct on that. And I think people have this misconception because there's marketing and then there's sales. And I think sometimes people think the marketing actually does the selling. No, the marketing is more about, you know, generating interest, creating those prospects, creating those leads, getting them, you know, well into the top of whatever your sales process is. And I think that's the other thing too. Like, you know, you have a good offer, you have, and you need to understand your numbers, but you also have to have a good sales process because what do you do, you know, when you get these leads? Right. And I think, I think that's important as well as to, to know that. And I think you're correct about the numbers because people have to understand how much it is to generate a lead. And then how much is it going to cost you to take that person from a lead to, you know, a paying customer? Because there's steps in between. Just because they're a lead doesn't mean they're going to buy. Like something has to happen in between the two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And you're totally, totally right when it comes to the sales process. Like in our case, you know, at Scale Driven, we, we're a performance-based agency. So we help our clients as much as, you know, uh, we help them win and that's how we get paid basically. And mm -hmm. we, we, change, we kind of switch our model from a more tradition, traditional, mm -hmm. you know, retainer model into a more like um, performance-based model because we realized that that way we're we were aligned with, you know, our, our clients and we were all, you know, pushing in the same direction. 
But that's true. Like uh, one of the things that happens is that they, they bring us on and we start generating all, all of these leads, but they might not be closing any. So we need to jump in and say, okay, what's going on? What's happening after somebody books a call? How, how many of these people are actually showing up to the sales call? How many yeah. were qualified? What are you doing when it comes to the, um, when it comes to the follow-up? Like, you know, what, what are you doing when it comes to the sales process? Because yeah, like marketing and sales, they need to, they need to work hand in hand. So again, if you don't have, you know, a proven service, a proven product, you can bring in a marketing uh, company or a marketing agency. And the reality is that you will get a lot of leads, but you will not get the return because your sales process or either your offer or your sales process is not working. So it's better to fix that. And then you go out and get more volume through marketing. So, yeah. And, and something else you kind of touched on, but let's go into this part a little bit more is, you know, when you're working with a marketing company, I think, and I mean, every marketer I've talked to has always ask me the same questions. And, and the question comes down is, okay, and there's different ways to word it. So one is who's your ideal client? Who's your target market? Who's that perfect person you love? I mean, it's all the same question, just yes. packaged a different way. And I think that's important too. You have to really know and understand who that perfect client is, who that ideal client is. You know, if, if you had to scale your clients from one to hundred, you know, zero being the ones you wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole and hundred being the ones that you would kill to work with every single day. You know, I think it's really important to be able to, you know, tell your marketer who is this hundred, who is this person that if you had even 10 of these clients, it would make the biggest difference in, in your business. And I, I think that's important too. Yeah, it is totally, totally important. And, uh, and the reason why that's so important for marketing is because from a marketing perspective, right, it's, it, it talks all about what we're going to be saying on the ads, what we're going to be saying on the landing pages, what we're going to be saying on the emails, right, the messaging that we're going to be putting out, all of the targeting that we can do on the advertising platforms. And most importantly, like when you know exactly who you want to target, who you want to talk to, right, and, and, and who you want to work with, what happens is that then you can put up a marketing strategy that works for you. For example, um, let's say that you have a program or a coaching program or service for uh, C-suite executives that are 50 plus and they're close to retiring, right? Which we do have a client at scalerriven.com that they, he, he, he targets, you know, high level C-suite executives that are like 10, 10 or 15 years off from, from re retiring. So that means that you're going to focus your efforts on uh, from an advertising perspective, you're going to focus your efforts on Google. You're going to focus your efforts yeah. on Facebook. You're going to focus, focus your efforts on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Probably you're not going to be doing a lot of stuff on TikTok. Probably you're not going to be Instagram. doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, right? Because they're not there. Conversely, podcasts, if you have, you'd be doing a lot on podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Podcasts 1000%. Now, when it comes to, or publish a book. That's perfect, right? Like write and publish a book. That's great for those, for your demographic. But if you have an econ store that's selling, let's say jewelry for women that are 30 to 40, then at that point, then you will put a lot of attention to Instagram. You might do some TikTok, you might do some Pinterest. So it all comes down to the targeting because what we think that we need 
is that right now, I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with this, is that they, they, they think that they need to be everywhere, right? They yeah. see the Gary Vaynerchuks or they, they see the, well, Alex Hormozzi now, which is kind of, you know, all over the place, or they see the Grand Cardones and because they are everywhere, they immediately think, oh, I need to be everywhere, right? But if you think about it, where your ideal demographic is, they might not be on TikTok, but they might be on Twitter, right? They might not be on, or might, you might need to do a podcast or you might need to publish a book. So I think that that helps a lot when it comes to dial it in, because at the end of the day, we all have limited time and limited resources to dedicate to our marketing efforts. You need to really hone in. And then at some point, that means that you might not have a big YouTube, big uh, TikTok presence, and that's fine. Right. I remember Clubhouse. Clubhouse was all the rage. I don't know, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. And, you know, and some people were doing well there, but it wasn't where our demographic was hanging out. So we decided to kind of lose the train, miss the opportunity there. But it's fine because we're doing we're doing just fine because we kind of hone in into our into our target markets and target channels, if that makes sense. Well, I think people have to remember, too, and this is what people don't think about. Like they look at people like Grant Cardone and Russell Brunson. I mean, Russell's doing a big thing right now. Every time I do something on my phone, I'm getting an ad for what Russell yeah. Brunson is doing, right? But what you don't understand is he's got teams of 10, 20, 30 people like in a marketing department and they're all specialists and yeah. they're they're being paid full-time salaries mm-hmm. to to do this stuff. And and when you're just you or you know maybe you and a couple other people, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, totally, totally. That's why you need to figure and you need to focus, you need to hone in in your where they're hanging out, right? Where they're hanging out and go all in on that channel and go all in on that channel. Because yeah, like if you compare yourself to guys that have been doing this for 20 plus years and you're starting out, maybe it's your first year, second year in entrepreneurship and whatnot, you know, you have limited time, limited resources, just, you know, go for the kill on a couple channels and, and that will have a much higher impact in your in your business than trying to you know post everywhere at the same time because you also need to sleep you know so yeah well this year i decided my focus was the podcast and linkedin the two places you're going to find me this year is is those two Hernan, we are pretty well out of time, but I do want to give you just a minute to talk a little bit about your company. And do you have like any freebies or ways that people can connect with you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, as I mentioned, scaledriven.com, we're a digital marketing agency uh, business. We partnered up with, with coaches, consultants, info product businesses and whatnot to help them scale. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of good content out there. You know, if you search for my name on YouTube, we have a, a YouTube channel with hundreds of videos with a lot of, a uh, lot of good marketing stuff. And we also have, um, a free guidebook on how to launch really effective Facebook ads. If you go to 100M guidebook, 100M guidebook, which stands for hundred million guidebook, you will be able to get that, that freebie and it's completely free and it's a step-by-step guidebook on how to launch uh, effective Facebook ads. So, so is that 100mguidebook.com? Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Hernan. It has been a pleasure having you on. And uh, you know what, audience, if, if you've listened today and you've just, you're thinking, wow, I just really need to check this out, then connect with Hernan, find him on YouTube. What, what's your favorite social media to be on? That's a great question. I think that if I had to pick one, I would pick YouTube. If I had to okay. pick one, I would, I would pick YouTube. Yeah. I like the long form content. I like it. So cool. 
Well, this has been Hernan Vasquez and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Have a great day, everyone. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.